Need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Yo, this is your boy, G-Ski Rocks. And this is going out to the lovely, lovely women of the world. I know sometimes you have to make a hard decision. But I want you to think about this. This song is going out to the mighty, mighty world of women. Skype, I can't see me on the uh, switchboard. You're live. Oh, I thought I pushed the talk button. Alrighty. Hey, everybody, this is Letitia. Welcome to True Life Fridays Radio. Uh, thank you for hanging in there with me uh, as I thought I had pushed uh, our screening button, but I guess it's not working today. So, thank you very much for coming and joining our program. I am on the show today with my good friend Thomas. How you doing, Thomas? I'm good. Thanks for running things today. And hey, Melissa, are you there? I'm here. Good to be awesome. back. <laughs> <laughs> good to have you. Well, we've got a very big show today and a lot of audio to play. So let's get to this. Uh, Thomas, would you do us the honors of introducing our show the way we normally do? Deuteronomy, 
chapter 30, verse 19, says, I record this day against you that I have set before you, life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life so that you and your seed might live. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we give you glory, honor, and praise. Father God, we're thankful for another opportunity to host another big episode of True True Life Fridays Radio here on True Radio Presents and Blog Talk Radio Network. Lord, we thank you for our guests that we're going to have today, and we're going to be touching on some very, very life-changing issues, Lord God, and we ask that those ladies who are guests and the gentlemen calling in from Canada, Lord God, that people, as they're listening live or in archives, that they will receive the information and they will take it and use it to make a difference. We say we love you and we bless you and we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, and the work of the cross. In the mighty name of your son, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, if you have if this, your, if this is your first time joining us on True Life Fridays Radio, I want to make sure you understand that this is a all pro life radio program where we talk about issues that range from bioethics to reproductive technology to religious persecution to uh, devaluating devaluing humans uh, on race issues and. Also, uh, we do talk a lot about abortion because abortion is one pro-life subject among many. And I want to make sure people understand that today we're going to be talking about some things that um, have to do with some racial issues. And if you have been paying attention to the news, especially this past week, you would have heard about Uh, the so-called White Privilege Conference. And it is the first time I ever heard of the White Privilege Conference, but this conference has been going on for 15 years. And I think this is the first time somebody had sent in hidden cameras and uh, clandestine reporters to find out exactly what gets talked about at the White Privilege Conference. So this year, a series of videos was put out by a new website uh, called Progressives Today, and they have done us an extreme favor of capturing a lot of what does get talked about. And I'm glad that there are subjects that are not off limits there because we get to hear some really interesting things about race and uh, and other things as you're going to find out. Yeah. I just have two questions. One, do you think that racism could be defined as uh, discrimination against somebody based off the color of their skin? No. No? Well, how would you no. define racism? I would define that as discrimination. Racism is, is discrimination plus a, an institutionalized system of power. And so, so that would I still be, okay, and a racist action would be... Uh, discriminating against somebody because of... In our nation, racism, white people do not experience racism. White people can experience discrimination, but not white, not racism. And do you think discrimination is a bad thing? That's why I define it as a sociologist. Oh, okay. And would you, dis- would you define discrimination okay. as something intrinsically bad? One more time. No, I wouldn't say it's intrinsically bad because we discriminate all the time in our daily life. Who we mm-hmm. want to be friends discriminating with. Discriminating based, based off of skin color. We discriminate based on what neighborhood we want to live on. Discriminating based off of skin color. 
there are times... Is that intrinsically bad? No, not, no, no, I don't think anything's intrinsically bad. As a sociologist, I think context means everything. History and context. And mm. in some contexts, I think something's right. appropriate. In other contexts, it's not. That last question asked if rape was intrinsically bad. And the person said, no, it's not. Wow. Wow. In light of the many, many times that we have uh, suffered the onslaught of how how rape could never... Uh, let me see. The, the media, I should say, the media foaming of the mouth whenever conservatives have tried to... Even, even inadvertently, not follow the leftist mantra that rape is always bad. Rape, you can be raped even if uh, you in the middle and you, you stop consenting. You can be raped if you um, if you are if you are married. You can be you know all this stuff, all this stuff about how rape is always wrong. And I'm not disagreeing. I'm not disagreeing at all. But suddenly we have, from the very camp from which rape is always called uh, something evil, patriarchal, et cetera, et cetera, every negative thing, and I'm not just, again, I'm not disagreeing at all, uh, suddenly we have a fundamental problem of denial. That if you just define things a certain way, suddenly even something like rape Stops being wrong. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about what you think about that. Melissa? <laughs> yeah, I'm still uh, in shock um, that, you know, a woman, for one, would, would hold that rape is not uh, wrong in and of itself, the act itself. Um, I'm wondering what concept she's referring to um, when she's uh, when she made that 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 statement. Um, it's just that was that was scary. <laughs> um, well, I'll, I'll let you know. I mean, in the backdrop now, the the person who was asking a question was very clever at that, and he was talking right. about the uh, he was asking her the question in the context of racism. And is, can white people experience racism? And she says no. And what I think he was hitting on was, can white people be treated as badly as anybody, any person of color ever could, just purely for the reasons of skin color alone, okay. as victims of racism? Racism, 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 that's right, racism. And she says, well, we have to take into consideration that there's a power structure and, and white people can't be victims of racism because minorities are not in power. I've heard this before. We've all heard this before. So white people mm-hmm. can't be victims of racism, although they can be victims of discrimination, even when that discrimination can look exactly like racism going the other way. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, that does not seem like a 
an objective standard. And indeed, she says, no, it's not an objective standard. Objectively, um, there's a difference. Letitia? Yes. I got, I got to jump in here. I got, okay. I got a zing for you. Okay. So using this sociology professor's own logic, a woman who is raped is not a victim because women must hold some kind of power over men. I would say I, I'm not sure where where you are going with that. No, I'm using her logic. What you just explained, how uh, white people can't be victims of racism because they hold the power. So since rape isn't intrinsic, intrinsically bad according to her, then you can also you can also apply her same logic. So what she's saying is that. A woman can't be a victim of rape because she has she is in some type of position in power. Thus, that probably brings her to the conclusion that rape isn't intrinsically bad. That's my okay point. for for women who happen to be in power in some way, or all women. Clarify I think, that with me. See, she she made a blanket statement. White people can't be can't uh white people can't experience rape. So I'm applying her logic. You, you we know we all know that she has a fallible argument. Uh it's a fallacy. But I'm applying what she said and I'm applying it to her saying that um that a woman well, that rape isn't bad. So basically what she's saying, rape isn't bad. So where does she come come up with that conclusion that rape isn't bad? So I'm applying the logic that she applied to the point that white people can't be uh, can experience racism. So in essence, what she's saying is that racism towards white people isn't bad. So rape of a woman isn't bad. Because it doesn't exist. I'm basically using her argument. We know we know the truth, but but you see how I'm using her argument to make what she just said sound really stupid and convoluted, and convoluted, convoluted, whatever that word is. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <my> point. <laughs> okay. But no, I think you're 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 catching on to the fact that she is uh, arguing poorly. Uh, by by relativizing everything, which is oddly enough, um, you go to these conferences to hear them tell you that morals are relative, but then um, ab- white people are absolutely objectively oppressing people of of, of color, and uh, white privilege is an absolutely indisputable, as one of the videos will tell you, indisputable foregone conclusion of how this country some how you know works. It's a foregone collision. It is it is something that you don't question. It's unquestionably true. Well, you know, if if things are relative, then there is nothing that is unquestionably true. Uh too bad 
that if you're a person who wants to run to the left, run to these type of people who think this way for help if you've been a victim, uh, sadly, they don't have a philosophical foundation to in which to support you. They say a lot of things, but at the end of the day, they don't mean a lot of what they say. Why have a conference? Um, right. <laughs> uh, The only redeeming feature in in this, and I'm not saying that they are redeeming people in this, is that they're so relativized they don't see the the logical fallacies that they're committing. Um, Mm -hmm. If you'd like to call in and talk about this, the number to call in at 760-542-3907. This is True Life Fridays Radio. We would love to hear from you. Um, and so there, this white privilege conference is going to get some play, I think, in the news for several weeks to come. Hopefully, by the time we get to putting together a long series of shows, uh, about a week long, we're going to have a lot of material to cover. So in about three weeks, the first week in June, uh, the True Radio Network, on which... True Life Fridays Radio, is a part of, we're going to feature a series of radio broadcasts that kind of look at this white privilege, white dominance, oppression, and racism in, the, in several facets. So Thomas is going to have his show on the Visible Conservatives and talk about kind of how this, how this white privilege stuff is going to play out in politics because you know it will. And Theology Matters on Thursdays is going to talk about the the implications of what do people think about this, you know, on a spiritual level, on a Christian level, on a church level, because I personally have been affected by this type of thinking white privilege um, in in church. Oh, yes. If you have not seen it in your church, you maybe don't be surprised if you don't see it sometime in the future because I know it's coming. And, you know, you're going to you hear it first. I know it's coming. It's coming. And then on True Life Fridays Radio, we're going to talk about a little bit more about um, the moral implications and how to view human beings based on this white privilege theory, which is the child of critical race theory, and this idea that people are segregating themselves by race on purpose for the purpose of categorizing people according to intelligence, ability, and discriminating against certain races, um, either through revenge or history or just rank tribalism. And I'd like to say, first of all, that, you know, in in preview to those shows, that tribalism is the great undoing of human civilization. That's what I think. It is reversing time to the Bronze Age, pretty much. Tribalism, nobody lives well under tribalism, and we're going to talk about why that's the case on True Life Fridays Radio when we get to that, and that's going to be the first week in June. So look to all of our shows on this network uh, to be talking about this issue. Um, So I wanted to just leave that out there for the future so we don't 
cover too much ground, and I did not prepare to speak about it any more than that than to make the announcement, hey, come back and really get into this subject in about three weeks. We're going to bookend this thing, and it's going to be a great uh, discussion throughout all of the shows. Uh, the other thing, uh, I don't know, Melissa or Thomas, did you have something that you wanted to add to that? Oh, yeah. Now just looking forward to, well, maybe Thomas is just looking forward to those broadcasts. I mean, interesting, <laughs> for sure. Well, in, in our shorter-term future, this Tuesday in detail to be forthcoming, we have a very special broadcast of the Visible Conservative Flash, True Life Fridays Radio, in a special 30-minute interview with Ryan Baumberger of the Radius Foundation. Excellent. I just thought I'd throw that little nugget out there. Yeah, and you're not going to want to miss that. You're not going to want to miss that broadcast because we we had one of his attorneys uh, for the Radiance Foundation uh, talk about his the the lawsuit between him and the NAACP, and now we're going to have Ryan on to actually talk about the case uh, from person on a personal level and get to know him so he can be a friend of True Life Fridays Radio. Uh, so really, join us on Tuesday as well. Um, that's May twentieth. Did I get that date right? I think so. And we're going to, uh, yes, that's right. We're going to uh, really get into um, his story and and his triumph of life in the face of being a child who was conceived in rape. And, And the triumph of life there, I think, considering, considering what we just played, um, rape isn't really wrong, okay? So I don't think that there's anything wrong with his being conceived on this planet, you know, by his mother who was raped. How about that? How about them apples? Well, there you go. <laughs> <sighs> well, um, there's one thing that um, came across my news feed today that I thought was particularly interesting, and that is um, the Washington Post decided to kind of play with Marco Rubio, Senator Marco Rubio this week, because Marco Rubio had gone on television and he had said the science is settled. You know, I guess that's pretty dangerous for politicians to say that, you know, unless you're talking about things like Darwinian evolution or... Um, the non-existence of God, or um, things that, that are pet theories of those that are on the left. You know, it's okay to say the science is settled about those things. But he went ahead and said the science is settled on when life begins in the womb. And he says he quotes the massive, the the just the massive amount of scientific embryological literature out here, a textbook case that. Human life begins at the moment of conception, at the moment of fertilization. We get a brand new human being who is on track to become born unless something happens along the way. 
Well, the Washington Post decided to take him on and say, Oh, does science really say? And they published published kind of an op-ed about that. And let me bring that up and see what what they're really seeing. But the, the gist of it is that they found a bunch of uh, scientists to be really flexible with the definition, not of conception, but of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And I want people to pay really close attention to the change in vocabulary. So Marco Rubio says the science is settled. I think he was on Sean Hannity on Wednesday. So what WAPO did was we reached out to the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, uh, okay, OBGYNs, an association comprised of a large majority of the nation's OBGYNs. The organization's executive vice president and CEO, Hal C. Lawrence the third MD, <laughs> when you're trying to build somebody up, please add more letters to their name, offered his response to Rubio. And so he says, government agencies, government agencies, and American medical organizations agree that the scientific definition of pregnancy and the legal definition of pregnancy are the same. Pregnancy begins upon the implantation of a fertilized egg into the lining of a woman's uterus. This typically takes place, if at all, between five and nine days after fertilization of the egg, which itself can take place over the course of several days following sexual intercourse. Mm -hmm. So WAPO comes on to say, in other words, consensus exists, if not unanimously, and the consensus consensus is that uterine implantation is the moment at which pregnancy begins. Ah, but Marco Rubio was not talking about pregnancy. He was talking about conception. And what has, I don't know if we've ever pointed this out on True Life Fridays radio at any point in time, but pregnancy and conception used to be seen as simultaneous events. When a child is conceived, a woman is considered pregnant with a child. Mm -hmm. You know, because she's not pregnant with a a deer. She's not pregnant with a a mouse. She's pregnant with her own child. So what they have done in... um, in medical associations, and this is, and not, and I, I have to make a distinction here again. This is not about science. This is about an association of doctors declaring that pregnancy actually happens at a later point in time, at the moment of implantation. Well, an implantation of what? Specifically, of whom? More specifically, what? of who? Mm-hmm. A child that was conceived five to nine days before. Mm-hmm. So see what they have done. They have taken the time frame and, and said, "Okay, this is a this is this takes place from the time of conception or fertilization, as they put it, 
to the time when a child implants into uh, the mother's uterus. And we're going to, to take that time frame, this longer period of time frame, and we're not going to declare that anyone exists who is important to be thought about in that five to nine days until the moment of implantation. And even then, the child isn't worth anything because the child can be aborted. Mm-hmm. So all this to say is that WAPO went head over, you know, head over heels crazy about trying to find what they call a blurry line between pregnancy and life. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when we asked, when we asked, this is them. This is the WAPO article continuing. When we asked uh, the the gynecologist association, American Center for, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Sorry, I lost my place here. If the two were interchangeable, we were told that the organization approaches everything from a scientific perspective. Oh, really? And as such, our definition is for when pregnancy begins. Mm -hmm. Ah, so they nailed it down. They are not willing to associate, no longer willing, to associate conception and pregnancy. It goes on to say, on the question of when life begins, then the scientific experts we spoke with didn't offer any consensus. So take that, Marco Rubio, is what they're saying. In your face. Uh, okay, well, if you decide to take your ball and go into somebody else's yard and play in their yard, you can say in your face to the person and change all the definitions and you can say in her face. But is this really fair? No. When you change all the definitions and you make this a completely different conversation, mm-hmm. uh, WAPO just stacked the deck in their favor. But what they did in order in order to do that, they changed all the definitions. They did not talk about conception at all. And since they didn't do that, Marco Rubio's statement that life begins at conception and that's settled science still stands. And they can't <laughs> refute that. Nobody can. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's as simple as opening up a, you know, life science textbook, you know, for middle schoolers. Well, absolutely. Does, it, does anyone ever get the sense that maybe sometimes, don't you just wish that you could go back in time and just like, um, anyway, <laughs> never mind, I'm, I'm being silly. <laughs> it's like, you want to uh, go back in time like, and... You know, sometimes with some of the stuff that um, the the left does, sometimes I just wish that maybe they were victims of their own eugenics experiments or something. Because it saved the world the, the brain power of debating with those idiots. But, well, uh, I I think it's not it's not as much. I mean, it is not so much a matter of intelligence. As Ronald Reagan had said, I noticed that everybody who's a who's for abortion has been born. Mm-hmm. You can't. That's a good point. You can't oppose something if you're not around to oppose it. 
but it's it's strangely odd. It is you know the well, on my blog when I talk about abortion issues, the symbol that I've chosen is the Ouroboros, which is the snake that eats its own tail. Right. And have you seen that? Have you seen you've seen pictures of that? The snake eating its own tail. Yeah. Well, I mean the the, the purpose of that symbol is to kind of symbolize a, a, a kind of a, a continual life renewal thing. But what is it really? It's a snake that's trying to eat itself in order to stay alive. Well, how long can it keep that up? Not very long. And the mm-hmm. entire abortion enterprise, we are killing off our own human selves with the argument that doing so will be good for humanity. Mm-hmm. And it couldn't be more self-destructive. As for us as a human species, it couldn't be more self-destructive. So, I mean, at some point in time, abortion is going to have to be looked at in the most obvious sense, and this is the truth that they're trying to support, that abortion supporters are suppressing, actively suppressing. And the truth is that we are destroying our very own species. We are just, we, we're, we, if we could put this on a, uh, on a scientific study, we're the only species that finds a reason to kill our own children and, and justify it in some way. I mean, there's mm-hmm. animals, animals don't commit murder on their own species. They, they kill each other, yes. But the right. species survives. The, 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 the drive to reproduce, the drive to continue their own line is stronger than any of the drives to kill. Mm-hmm. But here we, have all, we, we make it by law a protected act. Mm-hmm. And then we find all kinds of reasons to rationalize it. And we've gone through these reasons, up and down, left and right. Every, every one of them has been found to be vacuous, completely vacuous. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that, that's another show when we'll, we'll go down that road again. Um, I guess we're going to take a little break, and, uh, and we'll come back and we'll start talking about uh, Elaine Riddick and the... In fact, I'm going to play the video right here. We have Elaine Riddick and her story coming up. Um, She has been on the program before. And if you heard her on our program before, she had mainly been on to talk about a little bit about her story, where she was forcibly sterilized as a child um, after being a victim of rape. Talk about having having to suffer uh, twice over. And she is now the executive director of the uh, Rebecca Project for Justice, which is a is a is a it's a ministry. It's what it is. It's a nonprofit group. It's a ministry to help rescue women and to from from sex trafficking, from abuse, and to really let people in the world become aware of the detrimental effects of drugs that are harming women like Depo-Provera. And ooh, Depo-Provera, yes, it's a contraceptive 
that has done more harm for women across the globe than 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 the regular pill. And you know, the regular pill has been shown to have carcinogens in it. And still, this is being pushed out there on women. Um, a lot of times, not uh, not voluntarily. So um, while I find that clip, Melissa, you had you have experience with Depo-Provera too. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about how that has affected you, and and did you know it before it took happened to you? Yeah, um, it was you know basically um, when I was put on it as as a teenager, um, it was you know not explained. It was just. Uh, we were told it, you know, it's easy and you, you just get a shot and you don't have to, you know, take the oil pill and this is just more, you know, more, um, this is more uh, guaranteed to prevent pregnancy, these sort of things. You know, this is when I was um, not living for the Lord and, um, you know, just trying to um, live my my lifestyle the way I wanted to and with no consequences. So, I mean, it sounded like a a very good deal. I don't have to do anything but come in every few months and get a shot, and I'm good. I can, you know, do what I want with my body and um, not have to think about pregnancy or, or the consequences. Um, but but it did change my body in a lot of ways um, hormonally, especially, you know, developing as a young woman. And um, uh, the the issues have, have continued um, uh, weight weight issues and weight fluctuations and um, hormonal issues. And um, I uh, deal with um, a condition called polycystic ovarian syndrome as well as endometriosis. And um, those are linked um, as um, as side effects of, of Depo-Provera. So um, these things have, uh, have caused issues for me um, with pain and with infertility, with these sort of, of issues. So it's something that definitely has affected me um, and, uh, it, and a lot of women that I've connected with have the same symptoms and issues as a result of taking, um, taking the drugs um, and, and not being in, informed and educated about these side effects. So I'm, I'm interested to hear the women that come on today and to hear their stories um, and, and similarities and, and to hear about what Elaine's doing, which is awesome. Yeah, so let's let's play the clip, and uh, Lena will be on right after that. And this is her story, as you know, and NBC picked up on her story, and this is the clip from their show. It was 1967. Elaine's mother was in prison. Her father had abandoned her, and five of her siblings were in an orphanage. Every adult she knew had betrayed her, with the exception of one, her grandmother. She just paid special attention to me. And she loved me. And she just gave me something that I needed. Sorry. But life was about to get worse for the poor, hungry little girl Miss Peaches tried to protect. As I was walking home, I took the long road. And the next thing I know, I was a drug and I was attacked. And you were raped. And I was raped. And my life was threatened. That if I ever told anyone, that it's going to kill me. And you were 13? I was 13. 
that brutal rape resulted in a pregnancy. Nearly nine months to the day of the assault, she went into labor. We got to the hospital and they put me in a room and that's all I remember. That's all I remember. When I woke up, I woke up with bandages on my stomach. Meaning what? At that time, I didn't know what it meant. What she didn't know was that the baby boy she gave birth to that day would be her last. No one told me. I never even knew. She had been sterilized, targeted by a state board that ordered that this kind of surgery be performed on thousands of North Carolinians from 1929 all the way to 1974. 7,600 men, women, and children determined by social workers to be feeble-minded or promiscuous were sterilized, usually without their consent, and it was perfectly legal. Little boys, they would castrate them. Little girls, they would go inside them and take out their organs. State Representative Larry Womble. Why would they want to do that to a young girl? Why did they? Well, they had several reasons they thought were valid at that time. Their reasons were based on a scientific theory called eugenics, which became popular in the 1920s. Eugenicists believed that poverty, promiscuity, and alcoholism were inherited traits. It was a simple theory with a radical solution. Sterilize those the state would have to take care of and improve society's gene pool. Some of America's wealthiest citizens of the time were eugenicists. Dr. Clarence Gamble of the Procter & Gamble Fortune and James Haynes of the Hosiery Company founded the Human Betterment League, which produced brochures like these, stoking fears of, quote, morons mixing with the general population. Representative, when you look back, was this a well-intentioned idea with the best science at the time that then just went awry? I don't know if that was the best intention to weed out negative things in our society. You're playing God over a whole group of people's lives, and I don't think we're supposed to play God like that. 31 states had legal eugenics programs, and by the late 1960s, tens of thousands of Americans had been sterilized. It began as a way to control welfare spending on poor white women and men. But over time, North Carolina shifted focus, targeting more women and more blacks than whites. It was a monetary, economic thing. Get them off of welfare so the state would not have to pay for their children. That's fine, but you don't do that by doing this kind of thing. Some people have even expressed to me that it borders on genocide. A third of sterilizations were ordered on girls under the age of 18, some as young as nine years old. What in the world will this lady do with my yeah. child? Yeah. I think he's sterilizing the entire caseload. The voices of social workers involved with eugenic sterilization. You're hearing them broadcast for the first time, some of them explaining the decision to sterilize in these recordings made in 1997 by Rutgers professor Johanna Schoon. What chance does another child have mm -hmm. in his family? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of motivation for workers probably came from that. Over a period of a year or two years, he got all of the women sterilized. Mm -hmm. I think that was perhaps a little excessive. In 1968, Americans were rebelling, protesting the Vietnam War, marching for civil rights. And while most states had abandoned their eugenics programs by then, the sterilization of poor Americans was still happening in North Carolina, and no one seemed to notice. 
So it was for Elaine Riddick that a signature on a dotted line sealed her fate. During the cesarean birth of her only son, her fallopian tubes were cut and tied off. There is a document in your file that says regarding the sterilization, grandmother consents and the procedure has been explained to Elaine. Well, how can you take a 13-year-old kid and tell them this is what you're going to do to them? The terminology did not register. How can you explain to a 13-year-old kid that you're going to sterilize them? They took something so dearly from me, something that was God-given. Trauma like this would cripple most of us, but in a moment when we continue this story after the break, we see her climb back and what she did for her only son. Again, our story continues right after this. Welcome back as we now get back to our story. For decades, North Carolina sterilized people it deemed unfit, and it did so largely in secret. And now victims like Elaine Riddick are demanding answers from the government. Dr. Nancy Snyderman continues with Elaine's flight, fight to rebuild her life and the state of shame that existed back then in North Carolina. On the fourth floor of a government building in downtown Raleigh, North Carolina, thousands upon thousands of records few have ever seen. These are the eugenics files? Yes, and they're confidential. They're records that are not open to the general public. State archivist Dick Langford is the keeper of the files that hold the secrets of one of the most controversial practices of modern history, the mass sterilization of Americans against their will. When you've looked at them, what was your initial response? I look at them with a heavy heart because I realize these records, as patient records, have impact on people's lives. When you look at these records, you realize they're from not that long ago, 1950s, 1960s, and they represent all kinds of people. Take this one, for instance, a teenager who was sterilized because she was deemed promiscuous at the age of eight. And here's one, a 16-year-old incest victim. Social workers got consent for her sterilization from the father who raped her. And then there are the records of Elaine Riddick, sterilized after being raped at age 13. Social workers had declared her promiscuous, mentally retarded, unfit to procreate. But Elaine had something to prove. I ended up going to college. I took the entrance exam. I passed. I got in. And she graduated with an associate's degree from a technical college in 1982. Is some of this you saying to them by your actions, you guys were so wrong? Yes, definitely. Definitely. You know, I'm worthy. I'm not that little nappy head, dirty clothes, uh, hungry little girl anymore. I don't know where I would be if I listened to the state of North Carolina. Her proudest achievement has been her son, born 43 years ago and under unimaginable circumstances. Hey, Ma. Hi. Good to see you. Good to see you. Hi. Hi, I'm Nancy. How are you, Nancy? Nice to meet you. You're Tony. Thank you. Yes, Tony. You're a strapping guy. Thank you. <laughs> Today, Tony Riddick is a successful entrepreneur. You must be unbelievably proud of your mother. Oh, absolutely. I am. This is my buddy, my friend, my mother, everything, my sister. I'm proud of her because she never stopped fighting. You know, she continues to fight, and I think that's very important. What do you want 
What do I want? Uh, well, what do I want? I would like for the state of North Carolina to write what they wrong with me. At one point, I sued the state of North Carolina for a million dollars, and that's been over 30-some years ago. And what did you expect when you filed that suit for a million dollars? I expected for them to give me a million dollars. She got nothing. She lost her case against the state because a jury decided no laws were broken. She appealed it all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court, which declined to hear her argument. I was uh, embarrassed, and I was surprised. All she and the other 7,600 victims have is an apology, emailed to the Winston-Salem Journal from then-Governor Mike Easley in 2002. But after mounting pressure from reporters, the state decided to do more and convened a task force in 2003. Nothing resulted. Then another task force came and went. We're the United States, for God's sakes. This was so wrong. Which brings us back to that day last summer when victims and their families had their say in front of another government task force assigned to determine how they should be compensated. What do you think I'm worth? What do you think I'm worth? It doesn't matter what you think I'm worth. It's what I think I'm worth. There's nothing that the state of North Carolina can do to justify what they did to me. What they did to these other victims. They told me to sign papers. I didn't sign no papers. I ain't never. It was 1967. Elaine. And welcome back. That's just a good portion of Elaine's story. I'm going to say something about this woman who I've had the opportunity to get to know over the last uh, almost a year or so. I think it's been over a year. She is genuine, she is real, she is sweet, and she is passionate about the work that she is doing, not only to expose the wrongs of eugenics, but now what is being done to the women who have used the Depo Provera product. And Melissa, this is this story and what she's doing, I know, it's right home with you on a more personal level. And so right. through Life Fathers Radio, joining us and welcoming back to the show a very sweet, humble, loving woman of God, Mrs. Elaine Riddick. Elaine, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me back. You're Hello. very welcome. Yeah, Thank you're you. here. Can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Um, and I just got a message from Jill. She's going to be calling in in a few minutes. Don't know how many oh, others are going to be calling in. But, Elaine, what I want you you and Melissa to do, um, because this, this is a, um, something that affects Melissa on a personal level. She talked a little bit about it you know, before you called in. So, Melissa, I want, I want to have you, I want you to take this portion of the interview and talk about it and then just take it from there. Okay, great. Well, Elaine, it's great to have you on. And um, I've uh, been following you and your advocacy for women like myself who 
um, have been harmed um, from the Bipoprovera drugs. And I was just sharing a little earlier um, how um, I was um, put on it at a young age. I was, you know, told this is easy, just get a shot every, you know, every few months and you don't have to worry about anything. And um, and none of the, the side effects were, were explained to me. Um, and um, and it has led to a number of issues, including fertility issues and polycystic ovarian syndrome and um, hormonal issues and endometriosis and pain and all these other things that, that are, have happened as a result that would not have been the case had I not been put on that very dangerous drug. Um, talk to us about, um, well, first, what is uh, the Rebecca Project and what, what is it that you all are are trying to do. Um, let's talk, yeah, sure. Well, that. Okay, um, the Rebecca Project is a tra- uh, transitional um, group organization that works with young women in here in America and around the world, trying to give them some self-esteem. I'm using a different word. But, you know, we are trying to, you know, protect the women that's at risk like you and I and all the mm-hmm. other young ladies out there that's being uh, uh, injected with these with this Depo-Provera or being uh, forcefully sterilized or being, um, you know, sold into sex slavery. So this is what mm-hmm. we're basically for. We're just here. We, it's, it's basically a human rights group that's making sure that humans are treated the way God intended for them to be treated. Right. That's wonderful. And in giving women their voices. Um, right, exactly. Well, you know, go ahead, on. No, you go ahead. Go ahead and share more about that. Well, you know, I was listening to the tape with uh, mm-hmm. Brian Williams and Dr. Schneiderman. I, I was almost in tears because, you know, and I'm seeing for someone to label someone as being feeble-minded and promiscuous, you know, mm-hmm. and they actually knew nothing about me or knew what was in my heart or knew how I was, you know, suffering on the inside because wow. there were so many people out there that saw, you know, saw this, you know, saw me going through transitions. And a lot of those people that was out there, instead of them being there to give me support, they was out there, you know, um, you know, just, just, just making me feel worse about myself, okay? And I think that that's one of the reasons why I decided to choose to do what I do because, you know, it's, I know the pain that it caused me, and after hearing the pain that, you know, that these women are suffering through that have had the depot shot, I mean, my God, somebody had to step up. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, 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 it's like you, Melissa, I mean, eventually, after some of the things that you have described, right, I, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a sterility drug. You know, it attacks, you know, your uh, uterus, uh, ovaries, and your uh, cervix, you yes, know, I, and eventually you're going to have to have a hysterectomy. And, and my doctors have, have recommended that for me. Um, tell us about why the drug is so dangerous. Well, the drug is so dangerous because actually it's I, – I, I, let me see. The drug is so dangerous. Anytime you have a drug that stays in your body for three months at a time, mm-hmm. oh, hello, that stays in your mm-hmm. body for three months at a time, hey. you know it's already automatically doing damage there. Okay, 
this drug has a black box label and a black box warning telling you about the uh, uh, deadly side, the lethal side effects of Depo-Provera. And it tells you that you should not have this drug for no more than two years at a time. And after that two years, your doctor has to find you, discuss other birth control uh, 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 methods with you. Unfortunately, they don't do that because Depo is a drug that is working, you know, I mean, it is working. So when they find something that's working okay. like Depo-Provera, what they do is they sort of keep it on the market because, of course, you know that they're getting paid for it to, to push this mm-hmm. drug. Now, what Depo does, uh, okay, it's a lethal drug. The doctors will not tell you about the deadly side effects because then it's going to, you know, cause them, you know, they're going to lose money because nobody's going to take this drug, okay? And then on top of that, they force women to take that drug for up to like 10 and 15 years, 20 years. Hey, Elaine, you know, let me so, jump in here real yeah. quick. Let me jump okay. in here real quick before you guys go on. I want to bring um, I want to bring your friend Gil on the line real quick. Okay, great. Hey, Gil, are you there? This is Thomas yes. the True Life Friday with Melissa and Elaine. Are you there? Yes, hi. Yes, hi. Welcome. How are you? Welcome um, to, I'm welcome okay. To the show. <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> so um, Melissa, who who also um, was a woman affected by Depo Prevera, she's going to be the one who's going to handle the interview with you as well, so. And I'm just okay. going to sit back and listen. So, Melissa, go okay. ahead. Um, yes, um, Gail, thanks for joining us. Um, you can, uh, we'd love for you to share your story and maybe how you were introduced to the drug and, and maybe what's happened since. And um, yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I I actually I was on Depo Vivera when I was younger, and... Um, I was on it for a long period of time, and um, the the doctors actually just, you know, kept giving it to me and everything else, and um, at the time, you know, I was younger, you know, and mm-hmm. after that, actually, I went back on, I, I'm sorry, I went off that Bovavera, and then I went back onto it again, and mm-hmm. um, in 20, I'm sorry, I, it was, uh, I'm trying to think, actually, it was... Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it, it was a couple of years ago. <laughs> I had a blood clot in my left leg due to okay. that uh, depo. And mm-hmm. then all of a sudden what happened was um, uh, recently, 2013, I had uh, a pulmonary embolism. I'm sorry, 2012. Mm-hmm. And now I'm on Coumadin for the rest of my life because of depo vivera. Mm-hmm. And it, it has actually taken my life away. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, every day I go through a lot of pain. Um, I have mm. a lot of bleeding. I feel sick, you know. Uh, mm. It's it's done a lot of damage to my body. Mm. Now, were you told of any, any side effects when you were given the drug? And especially for a well, period in time? Actually, what happened was I... I was told, but my other doctor actually, I'm sorry, the, the doctor, see, I, I had different doctors actually at the time. Okay. And um, the thing is, I'm actually heavy set myself, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And 
I know women that are, you know, not a natural body weight, you know, say, for instance, like, you know, light, you know, lighter than I am, you know, I mean, you can have, like, complications with Depo-Vivera. You can have blood clots. You can have, uh, you know, pulmonary embolism, you know. Mm -hmm. And what happened was they, they did advise me some places, but what happened was I wanted to get off the drug, and mm-hmm. I have this in medical records actually stating that um, the reason why, you know, that um, if I wanted to get off the drug, then, it, you know, actually the doctor would try to talk me into it to go back onto it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and and the thing is, I've been off the Depo-Vivera for a while now, but it did so much damage to my body. Mm-hmm. 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 That that's uh, a common a common thread in uh, all these stories. I mean, when you were explaining why and and what the what what it does to the system, what the Desperatera um, shot does to the system, um, tell us a little more about that as well. Well, you know, um, like Joe. Oh, don't you? I'm sorry. Go what are you saying? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, the thing is, uh, the Depo Vivera with the side effects, um, they are, you know, unreal. You know, I mean, um, I have a fibroid right now, and I I have chronic anemia. And I, actually, I was told yesterday by my doctor, if I don't start taking iron pills, what happens is that I will actually have to have blood transfusions. Wow. You know, wow. I mean, and it... It Depo Vivera has messed up my life so bad, so, so bad. And I just, you know, I, it, I just wish that I could get that time back of what, Why? you know, I, I missed and everything, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, and I, I just think it's completely wrong what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, you know, it, it's just like every you know, every day, like I said, I go through pain. I, you know, uh, have these side effects and everything else. And, you know, I mean, and and it's like it took my life away. I mean, you know, the thing Mm -hmm. is, I had a pulmonary embolism. It almost killed me. Very dangerous. Oh, God, I know. It's it's just horrible, literally, you know. Hey, Jill, uh, yeah. um, uh, you was telling me that you had you was naming some other things, but yes, there are, there are a lot of women in our group that have have the same thing. They have had heart attacks after heart attacks after heart attacks. You know, and mm-hmm. one thing, a lot of people. First, let's get back to this here. Depo-Provera okay. is deadly. Um, it causes so many different types of, of side effects. The reason why people don't understand why the doctor should do a little more. You know, they should ask more questions. If, number one, if you have if you have someone in your family, normally they say uh, if you have uh, have you have you ever had anyone in your family that had cancer? They don't ask that question. So if I go in there and my grandmother had cancer and my mother had cancer, then I am a target. Depo-Provera would target. It would trigger yeah. that cancer in me faster. You know because wow. it is. Hereditary, okay. The um, same thing with high blood pressure, uh, hypertension. Okay. The same thing with diabetes. The same thing with heart attacks. The same thing with all of the ill. Uh, uh, what you call it? Um, let me see. Like some people have lupus. 
You know, I have people yeah. in my group that have developed lupus, uh, Cushing's disease because of this stuff. You know, I have women oh, yeah. that have had uh, had to have hysterectomies, you know, and yeah. then on top of this, I'm just finding out. They're telling me that tumors are busting in their body. Wow. Just like wow. that. Just like wow. that. This is one of the reasons why Depo-Provera is very deadly. Oh, yes. You know, it's a I, serious drug, and the drug needs to be off the market. You know, yes, we need does. to make sure that our children, our grandchildren are protected from this drug. You know, and right. they know of the side effects that this drug causes. Can you imagine those little girls over in Africa that's being forced to take this drug? They don't have medical, you know, they don't, they don't have Medicare. You know, they don't have... Yeah. Um, they don't. They, they they can't get to the doctor like we can over here. You see what no, I'm saying? So then you're saying. So then you're saying these people over here. They're not. You know, they're the poor people. Can you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine why a lot of women can't get out of their beds today? Yeah. See, people, people talk about the wrong thing. They talk about the wrong thing. They need to learn the facts about Depo-Provera. If some women that's on Depo-Provera cannot get out of their bed, they cannot take care of their children. They yes. cannot take care of their family because they're yes. too sick. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. definitely right. You know, they're um, too sick. I'm sorry, Elaine. Right? I'd like to add something, actually. Um, I do have uh, bad degenerative disc disease. My back, it, the, due to Depo-Provera. You know, it is wow. really bad. So, I got. I have a question, but before I ask my question, um, Elaine Jean wants me to know, let you know that she's going to be calling in, but she was getting ready to get off of work within five minutes, so she'll be she'll be calling in, and our That'll segment is going to go, go to. We have another fifteen minutes, so that'll be cool. But. Um, I have a question because it it just I think about what you women are suffering and Elaine even what you have suffered because you you kind of know my background I was surgically sterilized as a baby as well so you know I kind so I know exactly where you're coming from in terms of the sterilization but the the issue that I have is the specific targeted uh, people, well, in this case, women for Depo-Provera based on race, socioeconomic background, or the well, fact well, that they know, think you might be disabled? Well, I'm going to tell you what it is. It, it can be all of, the, uh, it's all of the above, but basically it is based on class. Hmm. If you're poor, if you're black, like I tell Jill and all of them, y'all might as well be black because you're in the same boat as I. You know, when they start depopulating, this is the, this is these are the, this is the class that they're going to target is the poor. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. right. You know, so it it's is definitely good. class. It, it, the race. Right. Let's let's take race out first. Race did play a big part in it, and it do. It is race. Because 78% of the women that have had this drug are women of color. And you have to remember also that when this drug was developed, it was developed for women of color. 
Right. It's just exactly. You and, know, it was and developed, was, and it was to depopulate. And remember when Margaret Singer said, you know, uh, what was it? What was her, my favorite part? We have to mow them down like weeds, you know, and we have to get rid of them. And then you have some people saying, well, you know, if they don't come in here from Planned Parenthood, if they don't come in here and voluntarily take it, we have to force it on them, quote, unquote. Yep. I've read that quote, and you're, yeah, and you're absolutely right. But what what comes, I'm telling you, what you're doing, Elaine, um, Jill, women like you, and the fact that um, the um, Elaine is heading up the, uh, you know, spearheading this class action lawsuit, I hope, yeah. I hope it, I hope that the result. Um, y'all, the verdict is so devastating. And Melissa, I don't know if you've connected with Elaine about this, yes. but yes, no, have. okay, yes. you already have. Yes. Good. Um, I have. But here's the thing, well, because I believe in my. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, I believe in my heart that you, as women, you all need. You all need to be compensated for the suffering that you have went through, what you're going through. And before I go on, let me bring Jean on real quick. Hey, Jean, welcome to the show. Welcome from my hometown of Kansas City. Thank you very much. And could you share? Could you share a little bit of your story as well of how Devil Pereira has affected you and what you're dealing with, the side effects? that you deal with. Yes. yes. Actually, um, I was on depo for nine years, and that was previous Ooh. to the FDA black box warning. Um, mm-hmm. So we're getting ready to start bone density scans. I'm only 29. And Ooh. then... Wait, whoa, and, whoa. Did you say you're oh, yeah. only 29? Yep. Yeah, can I ask a question? Are you in my women's group? You know it. Jean Esther. Hi. Okay, go ahead on. Go ahead. You're, I, wow, you're just 29? Yep. That's what... Go ahead on, Go ahead on. Tell your story. Jean, before you go on, hold on for... Hold on for a minute. Let me... All you... Uh, you and Jill and um, Melissa, let me ask yeah. you a question. Does Devil Provera... Um, and, and I'll explain, Jean, why I ask you this question in just a second... But does depot progress, does it does it affect the body in terms of like aging the body? And the reason why I asked you this question, Dean, because when I talked to you previously, you honestly sounded like you was probably in your upper thirties or forties. Has there been ever been any correlation between that or anything? Do you know? Well, if she can't answer, I can answer. Oh, oh, yeah, I can answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm actually only 36. And <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and it does actually seem like it ages the body more um, because of the fact that it gives you more health issues and everything else. Um, oh, you know, hold, uh, hold on. That, you know, oh, sorry. Jean, are you back? Oh, hold on. We got Jean back. Are you back, Jean? Yes, I'm sorry. 
I have a touch okay, screen, no and I'm getting off of work currently. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> but did you did you hear the did you hear the question before we lost you? The aging, yes, actually, a lot of mine is the fact that um, a um, life just kind of got me because I grew up in Southern California, oh, okay. and my mom got cancer whenever I was twelve. So I pretty much took care of my own household from that time. Oh wow! So I kind of had to I had to grow up fast and grow up hard, but yeah. it does cause a lot of issues, especially with the chemicals that are in it. Um, it you know it stops. Every woman has cysts on their ovaries, but they're generally so small nobody ever feels them. Well, the chemical that is in there actually stops those cysts from bursting. So that is how you do not ovulate, and that's why a lot of women don't have periods while they're on it. Mm. Wow. So let's face wow. it, you're stopping that in the body. Go Think about how, how hard that is on the body itself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. And Melissa, yeah. let me ask you a question, Melissa. Yeah, I'm just going to refer that I've experienced that for a number of years as well. But, yeah, go ahead, Thomas. This is a question directly because I don't think we've ever asked you this. Do you think the Depo Provera had a direct effect with you um, losing your your first baby? Did they ever make that connection? Um, Well, no official medical connection has been made with my doctors, but um, I, I'm, there, there are a lot of things that lead me to, to think that. Um, even my fertility issues mm-hmm. for the 10 years that we were trying to become pregnant in, um, I, I think, is it, is it Gina or the last young lady that called in? Gene. Um, Gene. Yeah. When she referred to not having a, a cycle, that, that had been my issue for a number of years. So even after I went off wow. to be Deborah Provera, my cycle did not return. And that is, it's normal for your body to, you know, for that to happen monthly. That's how God created, created us. And so um, that that had a, a lot of uh, negative impact, you know, on my body and that. But I definitely think that my fertility issues and my miscarriage and all of that um, was uh, definitely, um, and my, my, even my pregnancy was, was difficult. It was a difficult pregnancy. Um, so, yes, absolutely. I, I think that there's a connection in, in a lot of ways. Wow. And see, honestly, as as a man sitting here listening to y'all, my heart, my heart breaks because, you know, you as women, you are the nurturers. God created y'all to carry life, which is the most, that's the most special and honorable things that you can do, and for someone to think that that you're so, um, I don't even know the word to describe it, but that you're so less important that they have to put a poisonous carcinogenic chemical in your body to to prevent, prevent you from bringing life or in the case of Elaine and in my case where they sterilized us because they 
thought we were feeble-minded or whatever. How dare they? And this, it, it angers me because it's like, here, here, you all, you, granted, as you all have acknowledged, you made, you all made the choices. But what about as I believe it was you, Jill, when you said yep. um, you, you, you had mentioned that you tried to get off of Depo Provera, yeah, and doctor talked you back into it. So yep. it's like. They thought so low of you because they know. They know the side of that. Mm-hmm. They can't. They can't pretend they don't because they knew. But it's oh, like, of course they do. <clears throat> look, oh, Melissa, you take 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 over the interview yeah. from here because I'm I'm getting really. <laughs> it bothers me. It bothers me because I care about all life. This is what our show is about, and the life of the mother, the life of the the unborn babies that were kept from being conceived because of Depo Ferreira, and now your suffering. As we say on this show, one thing that we do not do, and it's because of the fact that you never know the root causes of anything, we do not condemn a post-abortive mother. We don't do it. We never have and we never will because very few people know the root causes of why that woman did what she did, did what she did, and so as a result, she's she's mortally wounded in her spirit, and she needs to know that there is healing through Jesus Christ, and not to be beat down even more than she already has been. So, so that's mm-hmm. why we, our hearts are with you, and and even more so because of Melissa's personal experience. So, uh, I, wanted, I wanted to ask Elaine, um, Elaine, you mentioned earlier um, briefly about uh, Jacob Pereira being forced upon young women in Africa. Can you talk to us about the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the connection with this, um, with this drug um, and its circulation um, in, in indigenous countries um, in Africa and elsewhere? Yeah, uh, of course. Well, you know, uh, like I said earlier, that, that they were forcing on women of color here and women uh, of color around the world. But they are targeting Africans for some reason or the other because I believe they were saying world hunger. So what they're doing is they're going over there and they're injecting these women. And as a matter of fact, uh, what's her name? Um, Hillary Clinton have sort of joined forces with, those eugenicists. So she is, well, you know Bill Gates said there's not going to be no more hungry, hunger in the world by year 30, uh, 2035. Probably right. going to have us all killed off. Okay, so uh, uh, yeah. not only the United Nations have also joined forces with Hillary, uh, uh, you said, uh, 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 Buffett and all these people. Well, you know, it's for some reason. I, I can't say right now why they're uh, focusing on Africa, you know, uh, other than to end, to depopulate. Well, it's racist. Oh, I'm going to just say what it is. I'm going to call it what it is. You know, they just want to remember Margaret Singer saying, you know, just kill them all off. Now, you have to remember what you're dealing with. You're dealing with these eugenic mindset sort of people. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so you know they are going over there injecting these African kids with all kinds of things, and the H and the AIDS uh, have risen so high over there. Because mm-hmm. and they're connecting the dots with the Depo-Provera. Wow. You know, and that's one of the reasons AIDS is so hard. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, I believe. You know, so you know, I, I just don't know what to make out of this plate thing here. But yeah, African Africans, people of color, poor people, people of cl- of the same class, you know, are their targets. You know, by twenty thirty five, we're not going to be here because they're going to be done killed us off. But let me let me let me tell you something else. What I want what I was what I want people to understand, okay? And that is that the reason why we have you know, a doctor has a right to tell the woman what he's injecting into her body, especially if it's going to cause side effects or even if it don't cause side effects. You have to tell them the ingredients in this stuff, you know. Exactly. So that's one thing. And another thing is that by, you know, not getting informed, in what you call it, informed consent, you know, mm-hmm. the women did not sign nothing to get this, these injections. You know, this no. is one of the reasons why it's forced upon them. Now, if you go to a health department or something like that, you know, and they're telling you, well, if you, if like Jill, hey, I don't want it. Well, if you don't get it, we're going to get in touch with the state, and the state's going to cut your welfare benefits. Yeah, it's happening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's but on another, yeah, um, that book causes so many side effects. And, yeah, uh, 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 Gene, some it, every woman's body reacts to it differently. Some right. women might not have a period for maybe a year or nine, six months, and some women might bleed for nine a year, nine, six months at a time. So you know our makeup is different. So you know, and then like again, like once I don't know if it's the girls that's telling me that once they get off a of depot, the tumor start bursting in their uh, inside, or tumor mm-hmm. start popping up anywhere, you know, or you know, like they have heart attacks, or you know, it, you know, they're associating it with so many illnesses. So what they're saying, like, hey, is it because I eat pork? Is where why I have diabetes, or is it because of the sugar? You know, help me out here. Right. Help me out. <laughs> you know, so you know, yeah. So it's 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 just sad what these women have to go through. And yes, I am going to be their voice. And yes, we're going to win this thing here, because mm. first of all, there is no informed consent, and they were not told of the deadly lethal side effects. And if you were not told, you're good to go. Mm. Uh, back. <laughs> awesome. Well, are there any ladies? Um, do you got, do you ladies have any um, thoughts or um, you know, maybe maybe want to reach out to other women who are on deck over there or thinking about it? You know, because I, I have friends who I had to educate on this who did not know and were not told about the side effects, um, and so. Are there, or do you have any words for, for these young young women? I do. Tell them to get in touch with me. I encourage every young female that has been on that pole, please get off of it. It's killing you. After, yes. If it don't cause cervical, um, uterine, and ovarian cancer, 
it will cause you to, a lot of women have had, young girls had to have had hysterectomies. And um, if that's not, and a lot of them, it causes sterility. But first, it's more, that's, that's, see, that's, that's eugenics purpose. And the mm-hmm. drug is 100% effective. Um, right. I'm sorry, Eileen. Uh, I just got a question for you. I have a big fibroid, and is Depo Rivera actually caused by that? Well, it depends on the woman's body, but do you have children? I do have one child. Okay. Well, sometimes uh, a woman can develop fibroids by have, by birth, you know, having a child. You know, and then, of course, a lot of women have been told that they develop fibroids because Depo-Provera, and some women have been told that Depo-Provera sort of shrinks it or helps their fibroids. But even oh. in the end, what happens is with those with the fibroids, it always ends up in a hysterectomy. Yes, that's what they were kept especially on Especially when you have that, yeah, especially when you have had the Depo-Provera shot. It always yes. ends up in a hysterectomy. I and, actually, and, and what is that if it's not sterility? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you go ahead on. It just, it, it almost, it seems like, again, um, yeah, it, just, it seems as though the elite who, who or the so-called enlightened who can make these decisions for us regarding our our um, our fertility and our our choices about our reproduction. You know, we hear the term reproductive freedom thrown around so much by the pro-abortion um, side, um, but where are the reproductive freedoms and rights for people and, and women who are not told that their future um, their future ability to reproduce in that could be in jeopardy? So, you know, it's this birth control mindset that just giving people an easy option to protect themselves from pregnancy um, early, you know, at whatever stage in life they are, um, at the risk of them not being able to have children, it's just not, um, it's not, it's not the, the right option, you know, in terms of uh, educating women and empowering them to make smart decisions about our, our bodies and our you know, sexuality and these sort of things. Well, you know, they're not, when, they, when they force something on you, they don't give you an option. They don't give right. you a choice. That's, that's what this no. is. And remember now, you have to remember the class. First of all, yes. you don't deserve to live. They right. look at you like you're an imbecile, like you're right. a retard, you're feeble-minded, you know, so you have no voice in this. Right, you know. So yeah, they are playing God. You know, the you know sometimes people develop a little. Some people develop earlier than other people. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So you know, so when people see, you know, maybe something is bothering me. Like for instance, like I was raped, and my life was threatened and told me if I told anybody that they were going to kill me. Now, mind you, the reason why I couldn't tell nobody is because I knew my mother had been in jail, my mother was in jail, my dad had been going to jail, and I knew what my dad did, and I saw my dad beat my mother, and I knew, and I was afraid, and I knew that my dad went to jail, and the guy had gotten out of prison, and if I told anybody, 
that he was going to kill me. You have to remember, this man was what? Uh, 15 mm-hmm. years older than I was, you wow. know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so, you know, we have a lot of issues here, you know, that yeah. we don't, we can't talk about. But when people go and start diagnosing what is wrong with this person, you know, without really realizing the underlying factor, we have problems. And I think that's what's going on uh, in the world today. Without yeah, finding, out, finding out what is going on with this child over here, they start giving it Ritalin. You know, these people, these same people here, put our drug, babies on drugs before they get out of our womb. Once they start school, you know, then they get into, uh, all this other stuff. What is it? The fluorinated water and the GMO foods and all of this stuff like here. And then they're getting this chemical in the food in the schools. And, you know, so the kid can't learn. You're dumbing their brains down. Is this intentional? Yes. Yeah. Right. Well, well, what I want to say, you know, and, and, and we're about to wrap up, but um, I am so encouraged because what I am hearing in, in, from this interview, what I'm taking from this interview, listening to you women from um, contemplating on my own story is that your beginnings do not have to determine your future and your destiny. And no matter what labels that people put upon you and no matter where you start in life and no matter um, what um, things may, be, may have happened to you that were unjust, um, it doesn't have to define your future. Yes, it may affect you like it's affecting us physically in certain aspects, but as far as our ability to love and to, to help others and to share these truths about ourselves and to help other women who may be in these same situations and to warn them about um, these things and, and to protect others is empowering to us as women um, because, you know, we are... Um, pro-life because we do care about humans and because that is something intrinsic to our value and um, right. we, I'm just I'm, I'm encouraged and, and thankful for you Elaine I'm thankful for, for you women who are on the line with us to share your story um, and it's empowering to do so it's empowering to say you know the those who are in power who don't want us to say anything would say just be quiet go away but what you're doing is you're putting yourself out there and you're saying this happened to me and it wasn't right, but I'm going to do something about it, and I'm, I'm going to help others so that it doesn't happen to them. Um, so what you're doing is making an impact, and it's, it's so awesome to see that and to be a part of that. Thank you. Yes. <clears throat> and, and, Thomas, I think you had something that you wanted to say. Oh, me? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just clearing my throat, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I I did actually um, I did want to say something Um, I if I I speak to I speak to women and if I find out that they're on Depo-Vivera and I definitely tell them you know all the side effects and everything else and you know I like to give them a lot of information actually about this deadly drug and you know of my situation what happened to me and a lot Mm -hmm. of a lot of women go home and they look it up you know, online and everything else. Um, the thing is, they don't even realize what is happening to them. Exactly. You know what I mean? In, until they get the information. Exactly. And mm. if I can, tr- if I can try to help somebody to pre- prevent what happened to me, then right. I'm gonna give it my hundred percent shot. Trust me. Absolutely. You know, I mean, thank you. You too. 
Um, you know, it's it's just crazy. I mean, they need to ban this. They need to get rid of it. They need to, you know, I mean, it 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 made my life horrible. I mean, literally horrible. Well, I well, Julia, not cutting you oh, off. I'm sorry, um, but I'm I'm still in Washington. And you know, I I I I told a lot of people here yesterday at a conference here. They okay. they didn't know about Depo-Provera, so I enlightened them, and everybody was there. It was full. A lot of people wanted to know more about Depo-Provera, but the real reason why I am here in Washington is to change the policy about Depo-Provera. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that might you know make you a little happy right there to know oh, that, okay. you know, <laughs> we are trying to take, we are trying to change the policies and do all of that stuff, you know, yeah. and sometimes it takes a little more time, you know, but, you know, it's a good thing. And then uh, the guy told me that he have a date for me for the congressional hearing. And of course, I'm going to be the speaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, hey, you know, we have to go to our next segment, but what I, what I want to okay. do I want to um, I want to be able to continue this discussion. Um, I have next Wednesday. I have a show called Reality in Christ, Worship and Word, which is a Wednesday, and I'm very flexible. If you all would want to come back, all all the women on the line, you guys want to come back, and we can give you the whole. Um, Hour and ninety, well, hour and ninety minutes. The show's ninety minutes, so where you can go into detail because I want to keep this issue in the forefront. But we got to get to we got to get to our last segment. But um, okay. if you if you okay. all want to come back, I will give you a call when um when the show is over, and we'll get it arranged for next Wednesday. Oh, okay. If you want to, come back. it works for me. It works for me. <laughs> Yeah, all it right. works for me too. Trust me. <laughs> all all right. right, thank you all so much for calling in. It's been an awesome interview. And thank you, Gene. Y'all keep up the fight, and Melissa. We know that you're you're on the forefront as well. So just know that we're going to keep we're going to keep this issue out in the forefront. So thank you. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you. You're very welcome. Okay. Leticia. We're, I'm going to let you introduce our next guest, and we got Carrie as well. He's already on the line. Folks, this has been a phenomenal show, but we got some more good stuff coming up. So take it away, Miss Letitia. Oh, hey, thanks. Um, hey, on the line with us is my friend uh, from Toronto. He is a student, university student, and he has been tracking, and I talked to him with the, the, the job of telling us a little bit about how the pro-life movement is moving around in Canada. And so we've had some, we've had a couple of nice uh, guests from Canada. And so, you know, we're welcome to, welcome, welcoming a third to tell us a little bit more about how abortion is legal in Canada and their March for Life. You know, we have a U.S. March for Life uh, to, in, 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 I guess, in reflection of, Roe v. Wade. Well, they don't have Roe v. Wade in Canada, but please, Luis, tell us what they do. Hello? Am I uh, on? Luis, I'm sorry. Hello? In my mind, your mind's your name, please. Hello, can you you hear me from here? Yes, Yes, we can can hear you. 
All right, awesome, yeah. awesome. Just checking. Uh, I'm using like a regular phone, so apologies if the quality isn't too good from your end. Anywho, um, to start off, um, you sh one thing that should be noted about Canada is that ever since the R.V. Morgenthaler case in 1988, there has not been any uh, abortion legislation at all in Canada. Uh, it is legal for all nine months of pregnancy, and uh, and the only other countries that uh, I know that have that kind of um, um, abortion law or lack thereof are North Korea and China. Anywho, there's been a concerted movement in uh, uh, in Ottawa to have some kind of abortion legislation passed. Um, which is one of the main reasons why we have the March for Life there. Um, this year we had 23,000 people come out. Uh, unfortunately, the media tends to downplay the statistics and say there are only around six to 10,000 people showing up. Um, but the fact that um, they've had to do that kind of thing shows that the movement is gaining momentum. And um, we haven't succeeded in... Uh, getting any laws passed yet, but we are on the way to doing that. And recently there has been also an effort to shoot down a motion to by one of the um, left-wing MPs in Parliament to have abortion declared as a human right. Yes, yeah, so Hello? tell us more about that. Um, yes, there's a... Um, there, there is a there is a certain politician by the name of Nikki Ashton. Um, she's uh, with the New Democratic Party, one of the more left-wing parties here, and she had a motion 510, which was, which basically the idea there is that um, the it is to declare the <clears throat> abortion as a fundamental uh, human right, and um, there has. You know, there's been a strong effort to uh, uh, go against that, and so far it's been successful. Uh, they keep pushing back the uh, voting on the on this motion, but it has not been uh, killed off completely yet. <clears throat> Hello. So there, there was another uh, liberal politician who had gotten himself in the news about supporting this motion or and then or um something about the party. So I don't understand uh I am not I'm not very familiar with Canadian uh political parties and how they're situated in the government right now. So tell us a little bit about how that story because I know that was in the news quite a bit in in Canada. Uh, yes, um, Justin Trudeau, the son of the late uh, Prime Minister Pierre Elliott Trudeau, he is the current leader of the Liberal Party of Canada, which in Canada, the Liberal Party is actually the center party. Um, we have the Conservatives on the right and the New Democrats on the left, and then the Liberals are in the middle, um, so, they, so they tend to be the party that most people gravitate to by default. And depending on the uh, political climate in Canada, they will orient either a little bit to the right or a little bit to the left. Uh, ever since um, Justin Trudeau became the leader of this party, the uh, Liberal Party has moved to the left, and that has spelled bad news for uh, people in the Liberal Party who are relatively conservative. 
Now, to give you background, the Liberal Party has for a long time had a socially conservative, pro-life, pro-traditional marriage wing. Uh, in fact, it was quite strong back in the 90s, but has been receding uh, over re- the recent years. Um, they are, there are currently 34 MPs from the Liberal Party in Parliament, and, uh, re- and uh, four of them, actually there were four of them that uh, were pro-life, Recently, it's been cut down to two because one resigned and another uh, has capitulated to the pro-abortion movement. So that leaves us with two Liberal Party MPs. And the idea is that, uh, according to Justin Trudeau, no new pro-life MPs would be allowed to join the Liberal Party. The existing ones will be grandfathered in, quote-unquote, although... um, Given the current uh, trajectory of the Liberal Party, I doubt that they're going to last much longer. Do you mean that uh, people will reject this motion to keep the party uh, exclusive to pro-choice candidates? Um, well, let me see. The the idea is that no, that there they will be screening candidates for their. Um, for their, their, they'll be screening potential candidates during elections to see if they hold pro-life views. And if you hold to pro-life views, then you need not apply with the Liberal Party of Canada. Uh, and it's the same case with the New Democratic Party as well. So right now, at this point in time, um, either for someone to be pro-life, they either have to be with the Conservative Party or with one of the smaller fringe parties. <clears throat> Wow. Does that uh, answer the question? Yes, yes. Um, but has he backed off on that recently? Because I think I saw a headline that Trudeau had uh, backed off on that, but maybe I'm not mistaken. Um, uh, no, as far as I can tell, um, Trudeau is sticking to his guns. Um, oh, he's wow. Not, he has not, uh, has not uh, backed down from it. Okay. Although, you know... Um, who knows where Trudeau will go next? So maybe he will, or or maybe he'll go even further than that. Although, given the current trajectory of the Liberal Party, I'm not being very optimistic. Okay. Um, just real quickly, as a very last question, give us a little picture about the, the pro-life climate in, in most of the cities in Canada. How, how receptive are people to having their minds changed about you know, life issue. It's really hard to gauge. Uh, I, I don't think we... Well, actually, we do have some reliable statistics. Uh, what we do know for a fact is that while most people don't hold to the view that life begins at conception, they do uh, reject the idea that abortion should be legal all nine months of pregnancy. Mm. Uh, most people will accept will accept that there should be some kind of limitation, like, um, you know, maybe limited to past the first trimester or something along those lines. Um, and the, yeah, it's, we don't have, like, um, the statistics aren't that um, solid, but as far as I can know, things are improving, and the pro-life movement here is gaining traction, um, 
you know, the March for Life has been generally has been growing in numbers. Last couple of years, it's exceeded 20,000 people, which is significant because most um, marches that take place in Ottawa don't get that uh, large. And uh, there has been a large number of pro-life groups uh, um, forming in uh, Canada. Some, such as the Canadian Centre for Bioethical Reform, deals with apologetic issues. Some, such as the National um, Campus Life uh, Network, deal with campus um, outreach, trying to get students to become pro-life. And then there's groups like We Need a Law that are lobbying for abortion legislation to be passed in Canada. So all these and these, the number of these groups are steadily increasing, and which is good. That means um, we are fighting back on numerous fronts. <clears throat> well, that sounds like a lot of good news. Um, well, I want to thank you because we are pressed for time. Thank you for giving us a good report about what's happening in Canada. Uh, please come back because I, I think you hang in there. I think we could really use uh, somebody that will help us to understand kind of what abortion is like in Canada as well because, you know, there's not much difference between how abortion is is performed and how how abortion is perceived between our two countries. Um, how it is legal is a little bit different, but I think uh, there's certainly a lot of room for us to share space uh, and in this dialogue. Yep, and just keep praying that uh, at some point in the near future we succeed in getting some kind of abortion legislation passed over here. Amen, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, thank you for joining us, Lewis. All right, thank you very much All right, for we'll having talk me. See you next time. Hey, Lucas. Yeah, Thomas. Before you yeah. bring Carrie on, um, and you probably, have, well, you haven't been in front of your um, computer, but I just wanted to announce some trust reversed their decision, and they um, they reestablished all the uh, real estate contacts with the Benham brothers. So... Congratulations oh, wow. to all the people who said something, who I called and got hung up on. <laughs> it's all good. That's <laughs> right, yes, and that was that was big news yeah. for today. Wow, yeah, yeah praise yeah. God for for people speaking up. Yeah, and, and people yeah. who are willing, and, and a company that's willing to, willing to realize how discriminatory they were. Can't say mm-hmm. exactly. Exactly. Let's right. bring our favorite well, guy on. Right. How about Again. you um, go ahead and take that uh, care of that, Thomas? Um, I'm going to hang in here since I'm on my cell phone, and you can okay. close out the show. You go ahead and 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 host the rest of the show today. All righty. It is what we do. All right. This next gentleman that we're going to bring on is a regular on our show. And you know what, folks? This is, he is a gentleman who is a true warrior in this pro-life movement. He is he is someone that, you know, I consider a brother. Sometimes we, we may not exactly agree on the method of getting things done, but at the end of the day, I know that he is a true ally in this pro-life battle. And, you know, 
So, you know, this is a gentleman that we will keep in prayer. We will keep encouraging them as he's fighting this good fight of faith. So join us, and we're welcoming Carrie Bold back to the show for his segment for this week. Carrie, welcome back to the show, my friend. Thank you. How are you, Thomas? I am doing very well. I'm blessed. And so share with us. I got a few things I wanted to talk about. Uh, that, yeah, go ahead. That have come up, and and uh, and actually, you kind of blew my opportunity at Sun Trust because I just posted that on uh, my oh. uh, tweeted that out. Well, That's okay. I'm you. You were sorry. on top of it, yeah. So, no. <laughs> so, um, well, just last week we were talking about um, a major press release we were going to be putting out uh, regarding. Uh, pro-life groups, well, basically the Yahoo and Google uh, issue, where NARAL has been claiming that crisis pregnancy center ads are are deceptive, and they claimed that um, the Google ads, they've gone to Google, and Google agreed to take the ads down, and of course that turned out to be a lie, which is no surprise. NARAL doesn't have much of a reputation for truth. Um, But they are excellent at deception. However, um, they did Complained to Yahoo, and Yahoo actually it was confirmed by the Hill newspaper that um, that Yahoo was taking some of the ads down. So, um, little inside stuff going on on this. We prevail. Uh, I spoke with Troy uh, Newman. We had um, we had a press release put together, and then he said we wanted to include uh, a group of uh, uh, crisis pregnancy centers, and they were excited. And I, I worked with their um, attorney all week on the press release and then they had a big meeting of about 1200 crisis pregnancy centers and I'll tell you what do you think pro-life is divided <laughs> they couldn't even agree to condemn that and it's hurting them wow. and what just just so um, what happened specifically is this that I know you understand Thomas is under this under the search for the word abortion and abortion clinic crisis pregnancy centers naturally want to come up. The definition of a crisis pregnancy center, according to Wiki, is a um, a um, nonprofit agency uh, working on counseling women against abortion. Okay. And so that that's abortion is in the in the definition, so they should be able to be on there. And um, then as we know, um, Planned Parenthood is under the category of crisis pregnancy center, and they have no business there. That's how is that any less deceptive? If it is deceptive, um, and we were going to do a press release. Uh, what, what I thought I might do today, and since you're low, short on time, is just quickly read you the press release that's going to be coming out and give you guys a little advance on it. Uh, and here it is, because we're going to put it out without their, and it, and they're they're with us, uh, the people that wanted them to put it out, but they don't know they couldn't get a consensus, which whatever. Pro-life, this is going to be the heading, heading. pro-life groups challenge NARAL claim that crisis pregnancy ads are deceptive, point out the deception by Planned Parenthood. NARAL claims and boasts recently regarding crisis pregnancy centers ads being deceptive and Yahoo agreeing to take them down turned out to be confirmed by the Hill. His previous claim Google had agreed to remove CP ads was not true. Slip ahead. Quote from Troy, let's be clear, there is nothing about a crisis pregnancy center being listed under a search for abortion. To Troy Newman, President of Operation Rescue, the definition of crisis pregnancy center is 
a nonprofit organization established to counsel pregnant women against having an abortion, why would them being listed under an abortion category be seen as deceptive? It is the core of their purpose to counsel women against abortion. They certainly won't get that at Planned Parenthood. And then my statement is, the real deception, as May Rao well knows, is with Planned Parenthood, they advertise under the Crisis Pregnancy Center's category. Now that's deception. If Yahoo wants to bow to NARAL pressure and remove the CPC ads, they they certainly need to hold Planned Parenthood to the same standard. Um, mm-hmm. We're calling on Yahoo and other search engines to supply equal standards to crisis pregnancy centers and Planned Parenthood, America's number one abortion provider. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, Not like that. So that's, that. That's really that's really powerful. Well, it's going to come out, and we're 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 going to push this and um, get this out there where it should be, uh, and hopefully get some response back because it's, it's absurd. Uh, sad, first of all, sad that they can't defend themselves, but it's absurd for NARAL to to marginalize them, accuse them of being deceptive when, in fact, their sister organization, Planned Parenthood, is twice as deceptive, twice as dishonest. Right. So, that's uh, right. And here's a little possible news flash. I just saw this from Brian Kemper. You probably know who Brian Kemper is. He's the uh, with Priest for Life and well-known pro-life activist um, of the big-time variety. But uh, he just posted um, this, this status, which I love. So Planned Parenthood has an Instagram account. I personally dare them to Instagram photos of abortion, why not show off to the world the product they are so proud of? Right. <laughs> so uh, that's a new one. Look for Planned Parent on Instagram if you want to get sick. Wow. <laughs> I don't think, but personally, here's an idea for a, uh, here's an idea for a tweet fest. I don't think Planned Parenthood has the guts to tweet on a picture of an abortion. Oh, they on, won't. On they Instagram. won't. Exactly. Call them, you know, they always call themselves calling out the pro-life movement and challenging us. It's time that we really start putting it back in their face because, you know, anyway. Go ahead, Gary. Oh, Emily left. I'm sure you know she is the alleged, uh, well, she is a clinic worker, actress, slash actress, that filmed her, allegedly filmed her own abortion. And um, it was interesting. If you saw that video, there was no actual, there was nothing you could actually see other than, you know, clips and people holding her hand and, you know, just the good side of it. But actually a lot of people now are questioning whether that was even an abortion whether that was actually all set up for, um, you know, just for publicity to to get that out there. And, um, of course, it was sick, the whole whole thought of it. And and I agree we should, the pro-life movement needs to talk about this. Now, how we talk about it is important, too. We don't need to be screaming and yelling at her. But, of course, you know, it's just like in every movement. There's always people that are going to be saying things that they shouldn't be saying. But... um, the truth is, what she did is disgusting. She needs to come to know the Lord. I think that soon she'll come to regret that because women actually do regret their abortions. And one day she's going to be sad, and one day this isn't going to go where she wanted it to go. 
One day she's going to realize that she killed her baby and videotaped it for the world. And um, I just pray that when that time comes, she finds the Lord. Uh, and that's the kind of thing that mm-hmm. pro-life can say. But this is not something we need to ignore and not discuss it. It is an issue, and um just wanted to put that out there. Amen, and uh, you're absolutely right. right. You're absolutely and, and right. I... If I can interject a little, we did talk about this at length. I think last week, um, I had, we did at the beginning of the program. Uh, we did talk about her and her her video, and specifically not the video of her having uh, the procedure done, but her reactions and her taking some question and answers on a radio program after the fact. Right. Um, and, and you know, I, I think there's there's a case that people have, I, I recognize we have suggested that um, it's possible she didn't really have an abortion. It's possible that this was all uh, fabricated for publicity. And re- I think what I had said was, regardless of that, um, what has taken place is that they've given this kind of image that is a completely false image of abortion. This is uh, not. It's not. Even if it were real, <laughs> the the experience, the, the message, yeah, the message of that is not real. It's not true. Um, and you know, I encourage anybody who's listening to go back to last week's program and catch up with us on the beginning there. Um, but you had mentioned that there are people who are actively saying we ought not to be talking about this. Well, why not? Well, you'd have to ask them, and I'm not going to. But uh, I, I think that some people, you know, sometimes lose their path and uh, focus on other issues and, and um, sort of tend to preach to the pro-life movement, and I, I don't agree with some of the things they, they say. I think that clearly this is a this is an issue to having to do with pro-life. I think how we handle it's important, but to ignore it or not discuss it uh, or for you to go on post and see a negative comment or two and sound like, Planned Parenthood, which literally goes to all these stories and hopes that someone with a pro-life attitude posts something inflammatory and then tries to paint the entire pro-life movement up with that commentary. So for for this person to take a couple of those comments, they sound like a pro They sound like Planned Parenthood speaking out against the pro-life movement. Of course, there's a minuscule minority of non-Christian or people who just react in anger. Uh, and make commentary that is inappropriate, that, that it shouldn't be coming out of the mouth of a Christian. Um, but um, that certainly is not a painting of the pro-life movement, and the pro-life movement doesn't need to be lectured about that. Um, right. We'll just right. leave it at that. Okay. Well, with that, I but think anyway, we are very close to running out of time. Yeah. And we're, we're rapidly running out of time. had a great show today. I we'll want to say one thing. Week. I know you were talking early, yeah. earlier today about rape. And yeah. I just want to say my very favorite quote was from Lila Rose, and I just love this, and it's, it's just an unanswerable quote, which is, abortion never unraped a woman. That's mm-hmm. a powerful statement. Wow. All right. I will let you go. Thank you guys for having me, and I will see you same time, same bat channel next week. All right. Yes, good night. God bless you guys. God bless you, Carrie. You know, Leticia, this has been a really good show. Um, the women were they were awesome. Elaine was awesome. 
um, Lewis and, and Carrie, as usual, was awesome, you know. But it seems like the issues that we're going, you know, that we're going after, you can kind of see they're ascending to higher levels, you know. So I'm excited. Like I said, I'm arranging another show next Wednesday um, on my Reality in Christ Worship Word show for Elaine now because there's just so much to talk about with the devil Pereira issue. So. But having said that, you have been listening to True Life Fridays Radio here on True Radio Presents and Blog Talk Radio Network. Join us next week when our regular host, Ms. Letitia Wong, will be back in the driver's seat along with myself and Ms. Melissa as co-host. Yeah. So have a good night, ladies and gentlemen. Good night. See you guys next week. Have a good night.